0: Friends is here, longtime friend of show. Matthew Caller gonna join us. He's here. He's been at the combine. I saw him uh, hooking. Up. I was gonna say hooking up. I saw him creating content yesterday. Let's call it uh, with Courtney Cronin. It'll be intentional on my language of ESPN. So he's gonna join us to talk combine, talk NFL. At four thirty, we gotta talk about the Bucks. They've won sixteen in a row. Yes. Yeah, good for the Bucks. Absolutely. 16 in a row, so we'll get to them. I want to talk about a couple things that happened this week first. And, you know, as as I uh, aspire to be a late-night host here, I always watch Kimmel and Fallon, and I see that they're always talking about Donald Trump. So I thought, all right, I'll follow the mold. Let's start with Donald Trump in the 2024 presidential election today. Now, Donald Trump released an address on his social media accounts uh, just last night. He's outlining a quantum leap that the country will make under his leadership if he's elected. That's his language, not mine. One idea that he proposed, and I actually kind of like this, the idea of freedom cities built on federal land. Take a listen.
1: We should hold a contest to charter up to 10 new cities and award them to the best proposals for development. In other words, we'll actually build new cities in our country again.
0: I actually like this idea quite a bit. Now, a couple of bullet points with these freedom cities, excuse me, that he proposed. Vertical takeoff transportation, right? Flying cars, but not really. So we're making advances in transportation. No imports from China. It's going to be all American created in-house essentially. And even baby bonuses to encourage procreation and growth, right? I think that all makes sense. However, there's one thing that's missing. Even with all those great features, I could simply not live in a city that does not have x (laughs) I... Ball game without being able to play axe all. I certainly don't, <laughs> I don't want to live in a city that doesn't have it at all. So I need to see that part of the charter uh, before I'm getting up and moving. Uh, and finally, in musical news, Pink Floyd's iconic album, Dark Side of the Moon, turned 50 years old this week. Yeah. We're a big Pink Floyd show. Really spent a lot of time on Pink Floyd last couple of weeks. Shout out on uh, or shout out to Eric on I90. Now, obviously, a lot has happened with the band over the last 50 years, including a ton of drama between Roger Waters and the rest of the band. Actually, reminds me a lot of the drama between the Packers quarterbacks and the Packers organization over the last 30 years. Luckily, Pink Floyd fans, much more reasonable than Packers fans. Otherwise, we'd hear comments this week like, ah, any band could have made Dark Side. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody could have made that album. Overrated album. Too much. It's too much, got all that album was so long ago. <laughs> Packers fans. Getting sick of it. I'll tell you what, we got a great show. Here's Yelich, and he sends one out towards
1: left. Backing up, Thompson still back, and Yelich has gone deep.
2: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks, the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: I would live in a freedom city. They just need X Golf there. And also, I-, I need Packers fans that are rational around. Me. If Pink Floyd fans were like Packers fans, we'd go back and look at Dark Side of the Moon and say, eh, "It wasn't actually that good, was it? That great?" For there's no other good albums released at that time. Right? The 2010 Super Bowl it's not really as great as we remembered. Anybody could have done that. Any quarterback. Oh, the team had a great defense, great receivers. Any quarterback could have done that. Dark Side of the Moon, overrated album. Too much hype. This is <laughs> this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an outstanding Friday. Looking forward to a great weekend. I'm really excited for tonight's show. It's a bummer that we're going to start with a Badgers loss. They fell to Purdue last night, 63-61. Really felt like they had a great crack at this game going into it. Even in the second half, the Badgers were putting together some really nice stretches. I'm like, I think they're going to do it. I think this is the game that they're finally able to steal. Didn't turn out to be the case. They lost by two. Bummer. So we'll talk about that to begin the show. That's a bummer. But I am excited to talk about the Bucs. We're going to do that later in the show. And I'm really excited to reconnect with Matthew Collar for the first time in a while. He covers the Vikings and the NFL at large with Purple Insider. Right, He's got a Substack. He was doing something with Courtney Cronin at the Combine. They were putting out some good content the other day. uh, Two people that started on the Vikings beat and have done a lot of great things. Courtney Cronin now on ESPN. So you can go check that out. It's on his Twitter feed. At Matthew Collar. Collar spelled C-O-L-L. ER, by the way, if you want to do your research before he comes on. He's coming on at 4.30. you going to ask him some Viking questions and maybe a Packers question or two. I don't think I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers with him. Unless he brings it up, I, I don't think I'm going to go there. I want to talk about some other things. There's enough topics right now in the NFL. There's enough going on where we don't always have to focus on Aaron Rodgers. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show. And I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, another way to get in touch with me and join the show. Let's talk about this Badgers game. I think back to Sunday's loss to Michigan, if we can go back a couple of days. And everyone was upset when Hunter Dickinson's three went in, including myself. I'm like, how do you let this get away? How do you let this game go to overtime? How do you blow that lead? Why don't you foul him? How do you ever allow that shot to get up in the air? We're mad. We were all mad. And I think in retrospect, our guy Ben Kenny was the voice of reason on Sunday. He simply tweeted when that happened, he tweeted cursed season as if to say, man, when it rains it pours. When things aren't going your way, they're really not going your way. Right? And the Badgers have made many mistakes throughout this season. Right? And Jordan Davis misplayed that ball. Maybe they could have fouled, should have fouled. They failed to execute a lot this season. They've shot poorly a lot this season. They've not been perfect. But There have also been so many moments where I've just kind of thrown my hands up and said, well, it's just not happening with this team this year. And last night, I just kind of threw my hands up a lot. I was like, well, when it rains, it pours. This is the type of season they're having. College basketball is really fluky, right? It's the way she goes. Sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes the buzzer beaters go in. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you get the whistle. Sometimes you don't. It's been a pretty fluky season in a bad way for the Badgers, right? All of a sudden, Johnny Davis turns into a superstar, goes to the NBA, which is great for him and good for the program. But Greg Gard's like, man, now I got to figure out what this roster is going to look like next year. Didn't expect that. They had some injuries, right? Teams in a tough place. Fluky. The Kansas loss was fluky. They could have executed better, but against a tough team, it just didn't go their way at the end. The Michigan loss. Like I said, Jordan Davis could have played that better. They could have fouled, but that's a fluky shot. That's a cursed moment. Max Klesman was cooking last night. Got a decent look, down one with the ball. He just couldn't get it to go, and he didn't get a whistle. So it's been a fluky season, and that things just haven't gone their way, and it's happened a lot. Now, this Badgers team has also totally 100% let a few games slip away. Luck be damned. Forget about luck. They blew both Northwestern games. Turnovers, missed layups, missed free throws, just really bad basketball. The Nebraska loss, up 17 against a bad team. Don't tell me about luck. That's inexcusable. That can't happen. And I wish I could go on the radio today and say that the Badgers are 16 and three because of this and X, Y, and Z. And Greg Gard needs to do better with this. And this player hasn't been good enough with this. And this is some dark mark on the program. They need to fix that. But this season has been a combination of a lot of bad luck and bad execution. It's a little bit of both. This team could easily be 19 and 10 or 20 and 9. If you give me 10 points as I saw Zach Heilprin tweeting about this morning. You need 10 points to sprinkle throughout the season and add in here and there. So many of these games were so close. It just hasn't been their year. They've made their mistakes. They failed to execute, but sometimes it's not your year. And I'm just like, man, I I thought maybe they were going to back into a win against Purdue last night. Played really well. It just wasn't enough. And that's kind of been the story this year. Vagabond John, 608-796-2558. What's going on, John? Welcome. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Grant. Got out
3: of work early trying to get all of my laundry done before 5 o'clock. I like then that. Then you get to go the entire weekend without even having to worry about laundry. How about that?
0: I like that. Get your chores out of the way with so you can party hard this weekend and relax, and not have to worry about it. I like that.
3: Exactly. Got a big birthday party downtown on State Street tonight for a buddy. And then I uh, got an eight-hour recording session Tomorrow in my basement to hammer out the rest of these seven songs on our album. So well,
0: yeah. Is the party you know is on? the party and the, and the vibes at the party gonna be a little bit less given what happened with the Badgers last night? That was a huge bummer.
3: It was a huge bummer. Uh these vibes will not be affected. Okay. It is March. It is above twenty degrees. It's gonna be popping down on State Street. March is one of the most exciting months, whether or not your team is actually in it. My personal favorite thing that I do every March is I try to take a couple public charges. Specifically, when I'm out on State Street, you'll see me just jump in front of guys. And if they don't stop, I'm flopping. I got and then you. my buddy will blow the
0: whistle and put up his <laughs> hand.
3: That's a charge! Come on! That's a charge! Oh,
0: really, my God. I have, I, have, Madness. I have, by the way, probably a good amount of Snapchat videos saved on my phone of one friend in particular who you get a couple of beers in him and all of a sudden he'll turn into a referee at the bar just miming the the block and charge calls and more beer that he has the more into the calls he'll get i don't know what it is about men and and making the block charge motions at the bar but it's something we love doing it's
3: fun man you gotta make the bar fun
0: you can't have when you're standing in line
3: outside of red rock on downtown state street for an hour. You can't just sit on your phone the whole time. You've got two <laughs> yellow flags that I'll be bringing. And if I see, you oh, know, right. an inappropriate move of a, of, a, of a man's hand going where maybe it's shot, going public, boom, throw the little flag at him. That's 15 yards. Yeah. That's the life. State anyway, Street is uh, lucky to here. have you down there this weekend.
0: Sounds like a good place to be. Yeah. It's going
3: to be a good time. This, this game, oh, uh,
0: man. Yeah. Wow. I mean,
3: <clears throat> two points. For, point number one. Mm-hmm. When you hear Wisconsin alumni, Sam Decker, Ben Brutz, Josh Gosser, when, when you hear about, even in the biggest moments, mm-hmm. how Bo Ryan treated them, we took ill-advised shots, it would not matter if it was, you know, the biggest game of the year at the Kohl Center or, if it, you know, Kennesaw State University. They're getting pulled and they're getting on the bench. And it doesn't matter if it's their best player or their worst player. Yep. I think for me, that's like what can I? Put? Greg Gard coached under Neil Ryan for twenty years. What changed? And when I see Tyler Ball going against Zach Eady, mm-hmm. think uh, he can shot put the ball over this seven-four monster with any efficiency? I myself, this guy must watch Northwestern. Uh, film at all against Purdue. This guy must have not watched a single minute of how other bigs in the band, all except for Travis Davis, but he's a very unique player. Every other big how many shots they took. It's a matchup thing. They said you know what? Our big's probably business taking 16 shots Yeah. and so I'm kind of melding my point, point number two, but seeing Tyler wall do that in the and then remaining on the fur instead of throwing her back out there for more minutes and laying around and sure pick up a couple of who cares I just don't understand why guard allows his players to do what they want the or and then not be easily pulled off
0: okay especially Tyler wall let, uh, I- let me jump in here before you get to point number two uh, I love where you're going with this I, I push back I don't want to do this because this is such a, this is a boner guy thing to say. Who on this team plays Tyler Wall with? That's my problem. Like Greg Gard could turn that moment and say, all right, Tyler, you're not taking... This isn't what we talked about in the game. You're out there playing outside of our... outside of our scheme. That's an inefficient shot benching you. This team really doesn't have options. Like, both had deep teams where he had... Seniors. seniors. It always... See. There was depth on the bench. There was a... The bench. Greg Gard, the so thin, I don't know if uh, a realistic option. Again, I, uh, what you're saying, how Bo Ryan, you stay in business, and, and I think the way coach it led to a very sharp decision making the year, he, he kind of weeded the shots out throughout the court. I, I just don't know that Greg Gard and the depth to do that. Even one of his best players yep. Here's my counter. Zach Eadie missed one field
3: goal. So you put Chris Hodges out there and you say, listen, guys, if you want a spot on this roster next year, you <laughs> do not let that man shoot the basketball. Oh I don't God. care if you get ejected in five minutes. Yeah. Because that he missed one shot, Grant. I mean, and, and the big point is, great, on offense, Chris Hodges, you can stand at half court because our three guards are on absolute fire. And it is insane that you have Max Klezman playing out of his mind the last couple weeks. Chucky Hepburn. Yeah, hero ball at the end of the game was bad, but for the first three quarters of the game, the offense was moving through him. He was distributing the ball. He was hitting shots. He was driving to the rim. So my frustration is that the bigs took 16 shots. Now, to your point, who do you put in there? Yeah, You put a guy in there. You put a body solely for the defensive end. And I actually think Carter Gilmore – for all of the crap that Wisconsin fans will give him, he shut down Hunter Dickinson, right? For the most part, he shut, he has the capability to well. go in there and just bang body. Yep. So that's my answer to your rebuttal would be my rebuttal to your rebuttal is mm-hmm. literally anybody over 6'8 because what they do on offense literally does not matter because of our guard play how good our guards were playing last night. Okay. So, I think the reason we yep. got and this is point 2. Yep. This is point 2 is Our guards are going to be elite next year if everybody sticks around. Max Klezmit has grown tremendously. I've been harping on player development. He's really good. He's leading the team in three point shooting percentage. That's sneaky, right? At the beginning of the year, some of his three point shots were pretty ugly, but now he's shooting over forty percent. You have a season if you take out the one crazy bad night that he had. You know he's still around forty percent, and Chucky Hefferns right around forty percent. So you have three guards, and when you watch film on Purdue. They lose to teams that have really good guard play. So, you know, we shot 40%. We needed to shoot 43% to win the game last night. Our bigs combined for three of 16. What in God's name gave those guys permission on offense to take 16 shots? That, as a Wisconsin fan waking up today looking at the stats, understanding how hot literally everybody else was. Pretty mm-hmm. Isaac Lindsay from out of nowhere. Yeah, born awesome. it in. All the guards, all the guards were on fire. Why the hell are the bigs taking 16 shots against a 7-4 monster? Why with two minutes left, up by one, nobody guarding him for a very good reason, does Tyler Wall think he <laughs> should take a 3 what is going on, Grant? Am I crazy? No.
1: Like, how
0: does
3: the coach let that happen? No, I my not crazy. Wrapping it back to point one, I think it's because the the players do not have that in the back of their mind like Sam Decker did. Man, if I take a bad shot, I'm going directly to the bench. and It does not matter what my name is. It does not matter who we're playing against. Maybe and I don't generation. think the
0: players Maybe that's have what it that. is. Maybe it's just this generation, right? And and Greg Gard has said a couple of times, like, we need to trust our guys. If they think it's a good shot, I think it's a good shot, right? I I think there's been a little bit of a culture shift. I do have to take a break, Vagabond John, because I need to get this break in so that I can get to our guest at 4.30 on time. Uh, I hate to wrap up this conversation, but we're going to talk more Badgers basketball, and if you have anything else to add, just send me a text, and we can keep going on this.
3: Yes, sir. It's a frustrating day, but the future is bright, man. Very excited about Pleisman, obviously. Uh, There's a lot of good things that were demonstrated last night. It's a really good team that we almost beat. So, hey, if we put it all together, there's still a chance.
0: Look out, and that's what happens in March. Appreciate you, Vagabond John. Have an outstanding weekend out and about and uh, bust that yellow flag out and make a fool of yourself on State Street because that's what the bars are for. Yeah, there were some good things in the Michigan game. There were some good things last night. There have been good things. It just hasn't ended in wins. Let's talk a little bit more about this game before we switch over. Talk a little NFL with Matthew Collar at 4:30. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Back in three minutes.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show, a couple of quick minutes here to talk Badgers basketball. Just a couple more minutes. Then we got to get to Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Matthew is a, a professional. He's a pro's pro, a real football's guy, football's guy. And I told him 430. So I'm going to call him as close to 430 as possible. It'll be like 432. But I'll tell Zach Heilpern, for example, 430, and then I'll call him at 436. He'll pick up the phone. You're late. I know, but Zach, you know, we're we're, we're friends, best friends. You know, Matthew, he's a professional. I want to get to him on time. 608-796-2558. Send me a text. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. That was a tough game last night. I thought they had it. I thought they had it. There's been games this year where I've watched the Badgers, and I just, I, I am almost spite watching them because it's been so frustrating, and their offense is so putrid at times. Last night, I actually started to believe for a couple of minutes, and my heart ripped out in the final 60 seconds. Vagabond John brought up some good points when we talked to him, and I knew he would before the break. I'm not really sure why Tyler Wall was shooting as much as he was. I'm not trying to go at Zach Eady. Tyler Wall was 2 of 11 from the field. He finished with five points. Not great. Did not get to the free throw line once. Vagabond John, I thought, had some good comments about the offense. Defense, I actually thought Wisconsin was pretty good. If I told you, and this is a classic sports talk radio thing to do, so I'm sorry, but... If I told you that Wisconsin would hold Purdue to 60-ish points, which is the final score is 60 63-61, Zach Eady would be held under 20 points, and there would only be one other player in double digits, 13 points. Shot 21% from three, 50% from the field. I'm, I'm taking that. Like, I am living with Zach Eadie scoring 17 And going to the free throw line a couple times, they made him earn it from the free throw line. He had a really poor night, especially early, and then he got dialed in later. I just feel like their defensive game plan worked pretty well. I don't know what their offensive game plan was. I don't really know why Tyler Wall thought he could go at Zach Eady like he did. But they got good looks from three. They knocked him down. Shot 40% from beyond the three-point line. It was pretty good. Isaac Lindsay's hitting threes. Everyone's hitting threes, and yet Tyler Wall's taking it to the cup. I do feel for Max Klezman because he was really good against Michigan and it went to waste. He was really good again last night. And he got a good look to take the lead in the final minute and it just didn't go. Maybe could have called a foul on it. They didn't. It's just been that kind of season. It was a bummer. I get their defensive approach. Their offensive approach was like 95% correct. Just a little too much Tyler Wall trying to go at Zach Eady who's seven and a half feet tall. So I'm with Vagabond John on that front. Tweet me at Wisco Grant. I'm going to take a break now so we can get to Matthew Collar. He covers the Vikings and the NFL at large. He's at Purple Insider, and you can find him on Twitter at Matthew Collar. He'll join the Wisco Sports Show next.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: We're gonna talk Bucks basketball at five o'clock. I had a epiphany this morning. I was driving to Walmart. It was very sunny outside. It was very nice. I got some coffee. I was feeling very contemplative. I was thinking about some things I want to discuss with the Bucks. So we're gonna do that in a half hour. Matthew Coller of Purple Insider joining the show now. He's on Twitter at Matthew Coller. C-O-L-L-E-R. He's been at the Combine all week. Matthew, welcome back to the show. How was your combine experience? How are your travels?
4: Uh, It was good. It was good. I I think in total, I walked something like 14 miles. So uh, I've got got the ice going. I've got to spend a week (laughs) in a dark room, and then we'll be good to go for free
0: agency. Oh, my God. Yeah, you need to unplug just a little bit. I want to go to the Combine because I, I like, I just like running into random people. It seems like that's kind of what happens with the NFL world. Everyone's milling about, and you see people, and you catch up. But also, I see pictures of scouts, Sitting basically in a section by themselves at Lucas Oil with binoculars, and that just looks really fun. I'm a big bird watcher, so the idea of sitting in a bunch of empty seats with my binoculars and just having some time to myself to watch drills and stuff—that that sounds fun. I want to do that one day.
4: Yeah, man, uh, you sound awesome at parties. That uh, sounds like be <laughs> really cool. No, I, you know it is. Well, it is. I mean, it definitely, you come home saying like, "Wow, I saw all these people," or whatever. I had. Uh, dinner next to Vaughn Miller one night, and I was like, mm-hmm. why is Vaughn Miller at the Combine? And I'm still not quite sure, but he was there. Uh, so yeah, But that's where a lot of the stuff happens that's going to go down in the next couple weeks is agents meeting with GMs and everybody out at different places and things like that. So, yeah, it's interesting from that perspective, from a humble reporter who doesn't party uh, perspective, just sitting down with only a couple of us, uh, you know, the Vikings, not the hot team this offseason. So there's only a couple of reporters there and kind of having long conversations about where the team is at with Creasy Duffelment and Kevin O'Connell. And though they did not tell us exactly what is upcoming, uh, I think we kind of got a pretty good view of the landscape of what's next for the Vikings.
0: So what's the big off story with the Vikings? We have Rodgers and, you know, we have our thing going on over here in Wisconsin and the Lions are all excited and the Bears got the number one pick. What's the number one thing with the Vikings when Vikings fans tweet at you or, or you speak with Vikings? If one thing that Vikings fans and Vikings folks are talking about this off season.
4: Well, I think the biggest thing is just that you know when you look at Kirk Cousins, he's coming off a season where they won thirteen games, but he also only has next year left on his deal, and when you have Daniel Jones asking for forty five million dollars. Like what does Kirk Cousins want for a contract extension? And you know, I, I didn't hear out of either Kevin O'Connell or Clay Steadhamenza. Yeah, there's only one quarterback in this world for us, and it's Kirk Cousins. That's not what they said. Um, yeah. You know, they talked they talked glowingly, but in a non-committal way, the Cousins. And I don't see how in their position that you could just say, Yeah, you know what, five years, one playoff win, you know what we should really do is sign up for a lot more of this, even though, you know, everybody will tell you, well, oh, it's not all his fault and everything else, but the whole the whole universe revolves around your quarterback situation. Nobody knows better than that than the folks in Green Bay but that's the case. And you know, I think also, um, both O'Connell and Crazy Dafomensis signed short-term contracts, they couldn't be happier with where they are right now after a really good season, but they also know how fast it can change with one bad year. So, you know, do you want to take a step back? Do you want to try to go crazy and trade the franchise to move up for a quarterback? Do you want, you know, how radical do they want this to be? I doubt it's going to be insane, but also at some point they kind of need to move on from it's, you know, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman's Vikings, and it's the same guys that are making up the core so there's a ton of different decisions they have to make but it all really starts with Kirk Cousins
0: yeah and Kevin O'Connell and and Adolfo Men's obviously last year was their first year O'Connell's first season reminded me so much of Matt LaFleur's first season and maybe that's coincidental maybe they're not similar as coaches at all and the results just were similar right the Packers won a lot of close games in 2019 and then in the few instances they lost they were absolutely run off the field and the Viking season last year under KOC in year number one, very similar. Why do you think that is? It, why is it just a coincidence that these two coaches, both in the same division, they had such similar first years? What is it about a first-year coach that when games go south, they go really south? What did you see last year, and what did you make of that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if um, exactly. It was being a first-year coach. Uh, the the difference always is that you know Aaron Rodgers in, is in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is not in Minnesota. Sure. So in order to in order to win those thirteen games, they needed eleven of them to go by one score. And I think that you know when you look at who they really were, they were really like an eight or nine win team, and that's it's very similar to the team that they had in two thousand twenty one by strength. If you didn't tell anyone the final score and you gave them every other number they could look at, sure, uh, you would say like, oh, it's a, you know, it's an eight or nine win team. Kirk Cousins had a. If you didn't know he had all the fourth quarter comebacks, you'd say he had a down year. His QBR went down, his rating went down, a lot of different you know numbers for him. Completion percentage, yards per attempt were not as good as they have been for Kirk Cousins in the past. And, you know, I think that that leaves you in an odd position, because if they had won eight games, like their point differential suggested, you would have been saying, (laughs) it's time to move on. I mean, trade the guy and and blow some things up here and really make a big difference. That's the difference with where they're at. Like, as a team, I agree with you, that team before uh, probably wasn't as strong as their record. But you can also see the bones of something that could be even better with the connection with him and Rodgers and how Rogers fit in that offense here. it's Like, yeah, I think that they did a lot of things really well. Uh, the NFL PA voted the, the best. This is the best organization to play for in the entire NFL. That is a massive feather in the cap of Kevin O'Connell and place the Mensa and the culture they created like that, that quantifies what they made as a culture, which I think is a really cool thing that the NFL PA did. Uh, I think probably those in Arizona and Washington disagree, but for Minnesota, it was really good for them. Um, but at the same time, like that 13-win total is kind of shading how everybody has to feel about this team. And I know that you know the some of the oddsmakers have put out already that the Vikings have the third-best odds for next year to win the division. And I think that's right. I mean, there's just... A lot of things where if they don't look directly at the win total, they're going to see that they're not really in a position without some sort of miracle, uh, or if Roger Goodell gets rid of the salary cap, um, for them to have similar results. So I think that Green Bay's pointed in a really good direction after that, where the Vikings, it was so fluky that it's not really predictive of what's coming next.
0: Well, the pa- I just stopped the Packers from drafting a quarterback and starting to look towards the future anyways in 2019. It's just so funny how these last couple of years have played out for the Packers. It's also not funny because we're all starting to go insane over here, but at least we're entertained. We're given something to talk about. We're talking with Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. The Vikings got Brian Flores. I'm guessing most fans are pretty thrilled with that. What's the buzz like? And, and when you spoke to him when he was inducted, what did you hear and, and what do you think <clears throat> change now with him at the helm of the Vikings defense?
4: Yeah, I would say that you know if you were making out an entire list of defensive coordinators that you should be interested in, and yeah. Brian Flores was probably number one or two uh, for the Vikings. And there's a lot of things to like there. Number one is that it's a different scheme from Ed Donatel, who really struggled. It was a, a tough time, and I think that you know, where Kevin O'Connell got very frustrated with Donatello was that he sort of wanted to stick to the way he did things. They weren't very adaptable or anything like that, where I think Brian Flores is probably more adaptable. And even, even if, you know, he wants to stay towards some of his, you know, general principles, they're always being very aggressive. So O'Connell is one of the tops in the league at throwing the ball as pass first. And this is a blitz first. Like these guys are going to have an aggressive style and, and not just have it be in name only and go to the podium and say we're playing aggressively, but actually their history say that they want to do that. Uh, I think that the experience of being a head coach and, and the responsibilities that Brian Flores could take on also as having a background in scouting under Bill Belichick. All those things are very good for a team that needs to build a defense really from the ground up. a lot of holes on the defensive side. Just guess the question for me, though, is, you know, does this mean that they're going to really try to rebuild a defense in one year? Mm-hmm. Uh, where if Forrest, you know, if, if he's good, he can get a head coaching job next year. Yeah. Whether he's suing the league or not, so, you know, if he does a great job, then you know that could happen. Uh, but also take a look, real quick look at their schedule for next year: Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Philadelphia, San Francisco. Uh, you know, Green Bay twice. Uh, you know, depending on if Aaron Rodgers is there, the Detroit Lions were a top five offense. I guess it's hard to see, even with a much better idea of what they should be doing or scheme, or even if they're on the same page, of just snapping your fingers when you're twenty-four million dollars over the salary cap and just having a better defense. I just yeah. can't see it. I think, I, and that's that should impact how they handle everything this offseason. But at the same time, like if you're taking too many risks and, and and going out and buying a bunch of free agents to build up a defense in one year. You're not helping yourself for the future, which is where they really should be looking.
0: Yeah. No, and that'll make sense. By the way, you mentioned the schedule. Uh, I am okay with the Packers not playing a first place schedule next year. That's one thing that I'm not envious of. It felt like, you know, most of the last decade, the Packers are coming back next year. It's like, oh, to Seattle, right? To San Francisco, hosting this team, hosting that team. It's like, I am looking forward to next year. Uh, a schedule that's not as strong. And the Vikings, like, look, welcoming some of those teams in the U.S. Bank. Those games are going to be fun. But not whether it's Jordan Love, I, I don't mind the idea of, of backing off and having a little bit of a lesser schedule. Really quick on defensive coordinators. I'd love your input as someone who's not um, um with Packers fans. Let's say you're not in this world, so you, you have a little pers- uh, different perspective. Malafleur decided to retain Joe Barry in an offseason where there are a lot of good defensive coordinators available, right? Brian Flores was one, but Steve Wilkes, who's a veteran, was out there. Ejiro uh, Avero, Fangio was had for a big price. What do you make of Matt LaFleur and his, uh, let's call it a, a continuing partnership with Joe Barry?
4: Yeah, I mean, so the funny thing about that is, like, when Ed Donatel was hired, he had come from working with Vic Fangio in the second-best defense in the league, I think, it points again. And then they were 27th with the Vikings because they really lacked a lot of talent. And, you know, when it comes to Brian Flores, go back and look at his first year in Miami. They were horrendous on defense. And then his second year, they used a bunch of cap space to brought in Byron Jones and, you know, a bunch of other guys. And all of a sudden, they were a top-ten defense. Usually, it's the players. I mean, that's just what it often comes down to. That's not for me to say that Joe Barry did everything right. Uh, or that Ed Donatell did everything right, because I can give you a nice list of things that they did not do right uh, under Ed Donatell. but most of the time we go, uh, somebody needs to get the ax, somebody needs to pay for this. I think why the Vikings made a change was that Ed Donatell didn't make changes in the season that the head coach wanted, and then you need to go. But if they're on the same page, then it's often personnel and injuries and schedule that are going to dictate how good your defense is.
0: Yeah, I think that's a nice piece of perspective you know, the Vikings have had Zimmer for a while, but as a Packers fan that had McCarthy and now Matt LaFleur, like we just want to fire our defensive coordinator. That's always what we want to do. I I remember for years when I got really into football, kind of when I was younger, we'd always hear about whoever Big Ben's offensive coordinator was. It was Todd Haley. or And I was like, oh, so that's the other side of that coin. I'm just in one of the fan bases that always wants to fire the defensive coordinator, right? The Vikings have have had their complaints with certain offensive coordinators. So it's just what fans do. By the way, I got to tell you, and, and I'll let you go after this. I was really hoping that the Vikings would either retain Ed Donatel or hire Mike Pettin because I thought last year was really nice in that Packers fans and Vikings fans had something to bond over. We just didn't like our defensive coordinators for this reason or that reason. It was nice; we had some common ground, and I was hoping we'd get that for at least one more year. But you guys got Flores.
4: Yeah, I, I don't. That's why I don't want to say that it's never like the scheme because we see you know all the time where somebody. Um, either doesn't coach it particularly well or is unwilling to change or the scheme just doesn't work. But most of the time, uh, it is it comes down to the play. You mentioned Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is one of the smartest football people that you will ever meet in your entire life and was a genius when they had the roster and then was not a genius in 2020 or 2021 yep. when, you know, Bashan Breland is getting smoked or something like that. Uh, so that's what it usually comes down to in the NFL, man.
0: Jimmy's and Joes, I believe, is what a football guy would say. Not always uh, uh, Yes, Texas yes, Texas. yes, Exactly. This is high level I buy analysis. That. Yeah, I do as well. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, you got the podcast, you got your writings. Are you working on anything? Anything awesome that we should plug and watch out for?
4: Um
1: I'm sure it's yeah, all great. I mean, just kinda,
4: well, I appreciate that. But most <laughs> mostly just waiting like everybody else to see what happens. These next two weeks are gonna shape. Not just the next year, but I think the next like several years. For the Vikings, so I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode like everybody else.
0: Yeah, Both of our fan bases are in wait-and-see mode. It's thrilling. I just love it. Matthew Collar on Twitter, read his stuff, listen to his pod. Thank you so much for the time, and enjoy the weekend. I know you were traveling and at the Combine, and I just appreciate you giving us 20 minutes. Thank you again.
4: Yeah, sure thing, man. Anytime. Take care.
0: You as well. Take care. Matthew Collar, live from the Twin Cities, Purple Insider. He's a good follow. Maybe not my favorite Viking. Well, I've never ranked my favorite Vikings, people. Let me think. Never sussed this out before. He's my favorite. Yeah. I can't think of anyone else. Are there any Vikings? Who's the, who are the best Vikings reporters? Who do we follow? Who do we go to for cogent analysis? Sharp analysis, unbiased analysis. I think it's Matthew. Yeah. I think Matthew's my number one guy. We'll look at that. Privileged to have him on. He was traveling all week at the Combine. I asked him Monday. I said, Hey, could you come on the show? It's been so long. He said, Well, I'm in Indy all week. Let's do it Friday. And I'm like, man, you want to spend your Friday night once you're home coming on my Dinky show, all right. We'll take you. So support him. Throw him a follow. Matthew Collar read his work. Listen to his pod. Support him. We love our guests. Let's take a three minute break. We'll debrief, decompress on some of those football things that we discussed. Couple Vikings texts that I got, and I want to talk about those. And then we'll talk more Badgers, more Bucks basketball. Five o'clock. Wisco Sports Show. Back after this. This is
2: the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. Fin's up. Listen to some Buffett at some point between now and six o'clock. We thank Matthew Collar for his time. Super nice guy, a swell individual, and an even better football analyst. So follow him on Twitter, Matthew Collar, and the caller is spelled C O L L E R. Couple of texts. This one is from Mark in Eau Claire says, is it funny that Kirk Cousins has only one less playoff win in the last five years compared to Rodgers? Oh We don't have to do this. And the Vikings are ready to move on. Neither quarterback can get it done in big games more similar than different the past five years. Um, I don't want to respond to this. I don't really think it's that funny. Right? Look at it this way. Right? The Packers had buys in 2019 2020, 2021. Did they have a buy in 2020? They had buy, They had buys a couple of times because they were the two seed in 19, which is enough to get them a buy. Then they beat the Seahawks. Then in 2021, they had a buy and then they played the Rams. So I, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers would have won those wild card games, right? But Aaron Rodgers a couple of times and the Packers a couple of times the last few years have gotten such good seeds that they haven't needed to play in round one. So we're almost penalizing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for being so good in the regular season that they don't have an opportunity to earn and to get that playoff win? I don't know. I almost want to count that as a playoff win. Aaron Rodgers won an MVP. The team was good enough to get that first round bye. That should almost count as a de facto playoff win. I know it doesn't, and I know what you're saying, Mark. And just sometimes with sports, we're like, well, this is interesting, comparing player A and player B, when really the comparison doesn't mean anything. I think they're looking to move on from Kirk Cousins because he's Kirk Cousins, right? The Packers are looking to move on from Aaron Rodgers because he's aging and he's not worth the money that they're paying for him anymore, which was not the case even two years ago, even last year, right? So I I understand that the Packers aren't exactly, you know, winning playoff games hand over fist. Most teams aren't. And having a first round bye will certainly influence that as well. Cone Roller says, Paul Allen, exclamation point. Ah, I don't I don't know. Paul Allen's never been on the show. I don't follow Paul Allen on Twitter. I do get a kick out of listening to Paul Allen on games. He's he's annoying when the Vikings are winning because I'm a child and I cheer against the Vikings as any Packers fan and Packers owner would and should. But just pound for pound I got to I got to respect game recognizes game. He's a really good broadcaster. He's just a little he just makes me mad because I'm a Packers fan. I'm a child. That's what I'm saying. I'm owning up to being a child, a petty child about sports, and it impacts how I view another sports broadcaster. I'll admit it. Vagabond John says, that guy stole my Joe Barry take. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about defensive coordinators, and I told Matt that I really wanted either Ed Donatel to stick around or I wanted them to hire Mike Pettin because I thought it was – a great opportunity for Packers and Vikings fans to come together. Hey, we, he, we hate our defensive coordinator. We hate our defensive coordinator too. We're different, but the same, right? We can commiserate over the same thing. And I, I think that's just reality of NFL fan bases. Now, Packers fans, we've had offensive-minded head coaches for as long as we can remember now. So we're not looking to fire our offensive coordinator because who even cares who's the offensive coordinator is. We're looking to fire our defensive coordinator because the defense is never good enough which is a reality of sometimes having an offensive-minded head coach and the direction of the team is offense, but it's also the reality of having a highly paid quarterback because if you're putting all that money into the quarterback, that's less money to go around. Naturally, you want to protect that investment, so you're going to build up your offensive line, spend money on that. That only leaves so much money for weapons and for the defense, and a lot of times it's the defense that suffers. You're not going to pay that inside linebacker. Not going to pay that safety big money. Not going to pay every corner big money. So it's just a losing enterprise sometimes to be a defensive coordinator on a team with an elite quarterback. That's why Steve Spagnuolo is really impressive. And that's why the Chiefs are really impressive. Starting all those young players, a lot of minutes played by rookies by Kansas City this year. It's really hard to orchestrate year to year a really good defense when all that money's going to a quarterback. And I think that was part of Mike Penton's issue in Green Bay. He didn't have his players. I think that was Ed Donatel's issue to a degree last year. But as Matthew said, like, it's one thing to have a bad defense because of your personnel. It's another to have bad personnel and also not share the vision of the head coach, right? Like, if Brian Flores was on staff last year and coordinated the exact same defense, but was on the same page with the direction of the franchise and and agreed with Kevin O'Connell. It's like, okay, moving forward, we're going to invest in the defense and and you're the guy we want at the helm. I don't think they wanted Ed Donatel at the helm. I also think they were well aware that his personnel was kind of ass. I don't know that Mike Patton's personnel was that poor. 2020 is really the the dark mark and the way that they gave away six free points going into halftime. And I don't know, we can go back and relitigate whether that was... Mike Patton's play calling or Kevin King's execution—it was probably a little bit of both. But situational defense under Mike Patton, end of halves, end of quarters, end of end of game, just never great. It, it just never seemed to have it. They never seemed buttoned up, and, and that was always my issue, if I can remember correctly, with Mike Patton. Now we're going back their ways. Hector, non-Alaskas here. Hector, we got two minutes. What's going on?
5: Um you think that Brian Flores had like a asterisk or black mark on his? Eesh his name when people were talking about, I know that that was an unfortunate use of words, but I didn't I think know. of anything else, but I like know, I know. with everything going on, like we didn't find out until recently how the lawsuit and everything against the NFL was going to go. So like, uh, do you think maybe that had it, something to do with certain teams? Cause there are a lot of teams that could have gone for somebody on like Brian
0: Flores. And I feel like he got less interviews than he should
5: have kind of a thing. Hmm.
0: Um, I think maybe his his perception in the league office, like the the people in New York, it's probably different than the teams themselves. Just spitballing 100%, I don't know that the Vikings have some qualm with Brian Flores. Goodell probably does, but I don't know if Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings do.
5: Fair enough. I I caught the tail end of your show two days ago because I was off yesterday. Okay. uh, Because my kid was sick. And uh, I got to listen to your show Fall Apart. And hit rock bottom as you compared and tried to see if Aaron Rodgers was better than Eli Manning. And I was just sitting in my car flabbergasted that Drew Brees and Eli Manning were being put on a higher pedestal. Um, And then, you know, the whole... Terrible. You know, memory and all that stuff that went on. But, like, if... if you really think back to it, 18 years is a long time with one franchise and uh, uh, recency bias is a real thing. So Rogers yeah. is definitely better than those two. And it's not even close.
0: Thank you, Hector. I need that. And I got to go in like 10 seconds. Have an awesome weekend. It was nice to hear from you. You as well. Hector in Onalaska. Concise to the point and outstanding. Yes. Drew Brees. Eli Manning. Get out of here. Our two. Wisco Sports Show next. <laughs> Here's Yelich, and he sends
1: one out towards left. Backing up, Thompson still back, and Yelich has gone deep.
2: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
0: from Hector right before that last break. Pro's Pro. I gave him two minutes. He nailed it. He heard the music. He took the cue. It was outstanding. And he called back to two nights ago when show really went off the rails. Q called in and had some Rodgers takes that were interesting. And then Vagabond John was like, Eli Manning might be better. What about Freeze? I was like, geez. And, and, you know, after all of this, NFL discourse between Aaron Rodgers and his contemporaries. We just had Matthew Collar on talking about defensive coordinators and the Combine and the future of the NFC North. You know, I I look back at the last couple days and all the good football conversations we've had and I'm just left with one question and it's a question that we've been asking for years. I got to ask, is Christian Yelich back? 608-796-2558. He might be back! We don't know. We'll never know. We're going to spend the, the remaining eight or nine years of this contract just asking if he's back every couple of weeks. All of a sudden, it's going to be 2033, and we're going to be like, oh, he's gone. <laughs> the contract's done. Is he back, though? it going be his last final, It'll be his last month on the contract, his last month with the team. We're going to be like, is he back? He might be back. That was 12 years ago when he was playing at an elite level. We're just waiting. Waiting for that return. It's just a nagging injury. That must be what it is. Just messed up his swing. Just enough. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday and fins up. I can feel the parrot head attitude and the parrot head lifestyle in the air. We'll listen to some Buffett when we get a little closer to 6 o'clock. 608-796-2558. We don't need to talk about Christian Yelich, but I'd love to talk Badgers basketball. I'd love to talk Packers if you want to do that. I want to talk Bucks in a little bit. You can join the show via Twitter as well. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Reacted to Badgers versus Purdue last night. It was a bummer. There's been Badger games this year that I've watched almost spitefully, like with a a little appetite for pain, where it's like, oh, let's see how many minutes they go without scoring. Oh, I'm ready to be hurt again. Northwestern round two, Nebraska up 17. No way they'll blow this. And I, I just, you know. It got to be that way with the Packers a little bit last year. Watching that Detroit game, it's almost so bad that it's good. It's almost so terrible that it's funny. Last night was not like that. I I, I, had, I had my hopes squashed a little bit. I really thought they were going to do it. I wasn't really tweeting during the game because I was really sucked into it. I was like, I really want this for this team. I really want this for this fan base. I really want this for this season. And we didn't get it. And... I don't really think we can be that mad. We can be disappointed, and we can definitely be frustrated with how the season has gone. But like the case of the Michigan game on Sunday, it's just been a little bit of a cursed season. It, it really has been, and it sucks. There's certainly been games that the Badgers could have handled better. I'm not excusing this team from all blame, right? They're 16 and 13 for a reason. They've made mistakes, like, the, the the Northwestern losses were terrible. It was sloppy basketball, poor execution. The Nebraska loss was terrible, right? They could have executed a little bit better at the end of the Michigan game, but also if that shot doesn't go in, we're not talking about it, right? That that Kansas loss, they could have executed a little bit better, but if that ball doesn't come off the, the rebound and doesn't come off the rim the way that it does, we're not talking about it. So there, there's many examples of where the Badgers could have executed a lot better this year. There's also some examples of, it just didn't go their way. And that's why they're 16 and 13, right? If they just execute a little bit better in two of the three games, they could be 19 and 10. They could be 20 and nine. Yeah, but it's not all Greg Gard failing to foul in the last couple of minutes. It's not all Tyler Wall, right? They have experienced plenty of bad luck this year, right? And I I can deal with bad luck. I can't deal with bad execution because Wisconsin basketball my entire lifetime has been the antithesis of bad execution, right? We're not going to foul. We're going to make our free throws. We're going to get quality, makeable shots, even if it takes the entire shot clock. We're going to execute and be comfortable late in games when the margin is close and when the chips are down. My whole life, that's been what the Badgers have been about. That's what's frustrating me about this team. It's not the bad luck. It's been brutal. It's been sad. It's been tough to watch. They've dealt with some bad bounces and some tough luck, but there's also lots of instances of where they just haven't executed. And that's what gets me. That's what bums me about, out about this year because that's supposed to be what Wisconsin basketball does best, the little things. And they've done a poor job with the little things in some of their worst games this year. 608- 796 Cone Roller is here. Hello, Cone. Happy Friday. Hands up, Grant. As usual,
4: never miss a Friday show. And Fins since up. you started saying that, I honestly don't know if I've missed a Friday
0: show. <laughs> it's just funny. Speak it into existence. That's why it's such a great little hook for Friday shows is you don't really know why you don't miss a Friday show. You just... Know that you don't, and and people come back every Friday. that's what it's about. I have listened to some Buffett today. I'm very excited to listen to some Buffett later. Uh, and I have no plans tonight, so maybe I'll crack a beer in my apartment and just throw on one of my Buffett records and let my worries melt away, including my worries about the Badgers. yeah, there's there's no better mining music than Jimmy Buffett as I've heard. I was uh, and I brought this up at the end of the show last night. I'm back into Minecraft. It's not good. It's not good. It's bad. I don't know where my entire night went last night, before and after the Badger game. It was my whole night. It was bad.
4: So, you know, last night, Tyler Wall, honored on senior night, he has an option to come back for a fifth year. Do we want him? Hmm.
0: Hmm. Well, we want Gus, right? That's our guy. We want him to play, but, like, what if he's not ready? Okay, okay. Here's... I am assuming you're going to say no we don't want him cone. Let me push back a little bit and say wouldn't it be nice to have chris vote this year? Wouldn't it be ni- like wouldn't it be nice to have a couple of extra bodies this year? This year has showed us that you need depth. I- I'd be fine with getting Tyler Wall back just after this year cuz you need bodies.
4: Yeah, I agree and I agree with the bodies part, but it's it's kind of Similar, in my opinion, I hate to go there, but do it. the Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love <laughs> on a much, much smaller scale. Obviously, okay. Tyler Wall should never be in the same conversation as Aaron Rodgers. But I kind of see, you know, Gus Bus. He's this young, up and coming four star. Could honestly save Greg Gard's, but as a head coach. So I don't know. Do you do you bring him in and give give Gus Bus? Starting minutes, or do you you give Wall the fifth year senior the Hmm. but he just hasn't gotten any better? And last night was a pure display of that. You know, in my opinion, Gus Bus would be banging Zach Eady and Tyler Wall. (laughs) That one like little like alligator arm layup he tried against Zach Eady where it missed the rim by five feet that was pathetic. You know, grow up as you always say, (laughs) grow. The
0: heck up he doesn't need to grow up it's frustrating i feel for tyler wall because he's a skilled player he's a very good basketball player but he's this in between size right he's six eight right so he's just dwarfed by trace jackson davis and kofi Coburn when he was in the big 10 and and luca garza and obviously zach edie like i don't know what he's supposed to do he can't play center in the big 10 and he can't be down low battling with these guys i don't know if he comes back next year why it would be any different, because we've been getting beat up, Cone, by Illinois and Indiana and all these teams with big-bodied centers. Tyler Wall just isn't it, and he's not going to grow three inches by, by next year, so I don't know what would change.
4: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, as a four-year player, he's he's earned his scholarship. He's graduating with a degree. I don't think the university, you know, they've, they've done their part. Tyler wall has done his part completing his education, which, you know, is what the main reason most players are there for. Yeah. So I think if I'm, if this is a NS or NBA GM, I am not exercising the team option on Tyler wall.
0: How does that work? I'm in college sports? You, just, to... you just tell them, no, hey, I know you got a COVID waiver, but no, thanks. <laughs> I don't know. Like, would you be able to pull his scholarship? I'm, I'm not be, sure. That honestly. would be brutal brutal i'll just talk to i'll just talk to chris about that chris oh mr M- mcintosh got it yeah yeah i gotcha well do you have any uh big weekend plans before i let you go cone anything fun we should know about um got a buddy who flew into phoenix
4: late last night um he's out golfing with his grandparents right now but you know later tonight we might be hitting the streets of, of phoenix so Ooh. boots will be on the ground
0: We'll go get after it. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week, I'm sure. Thanks, Cone. Yep, you too, Grant. Fins up. Fins up. Appreciate you. Appreciate your call. He has completed his education. Maybe it is time for, for him to go. It's just it's really tough for me to say no thank you to a, a viable, very good, productive college basketball player after this season. Because last year, God, we would bitch about Chris Vogt. And we'd say, this guy is a bum and he's got no skill and he can't shoot and he can't do the... But you know what? He was really big and he could hold his own on defense and he could grab a rebound and he could put a couple buckets in here and there when he would got a little confidence and he got the ball rolling. This year has shown that you just need bodies. You need guys. As Vagabond John said at the beginning of the show, Tyler Wall's taking terrible shots. Why doesn't Greg Gard pull him out? That's what Bo Ryan would have done. And I said, who, do you, who for who? For who? Carter Gilmore? Okay, Sure. But it's not like they have a stable of players waiting in the wings for lineup adjustments and defensive versatility and different different alignments. They just don't have it. They don't have that. And that's been a complaint all season. So then to look forward to next year and say, ah, I actually don't want Tyler Wall back here. I want to turn the reins over to Gus Buss. I Man, that's, that's a tough sell. I get where Cone is coming from, totally. I just I push back. I'll push back. Sometimes I have to push back. It brings me no joy, but it is my job. Let's talk to Dean in lacrosse, 608 796 2558. What's up, Dean?
6: Hey, uh, I have a strong dislike for Marquette, uh, but I do recognize that all of the sports pundits on WKTY, including the Morning Guys, are totally focused on Wisconsin. And I picture, like in football, at what point do Texas fans start talking more about TCU, or is it just <laughs> you're so much a Texas fan that, I mean, TCU made it all the way to, yeah, so. My comment or my comparison, it's, it's almost like Viterbo versus, you know, UWL. Viterbo is just a forgotten university in town. So wow. I think um, we need to start talking about Marquette and just sort of give up on that. However, uh, I understand we'll, we'll use Wisconsin as much as possible as a topic and burn it out until it's fully gone, <laughs> at which point then maybe, yes, we'll start talking about Marquette. Those guys are good. They have a good coach. I, You know, they're going to make the noise. Uh, on WKTY, they
0: had Shaka Smart on Jim Rome yesterday. Oh, I bet Great was, interview. I, I bet. Well, what did they talk about? What did Jim ask him?
6: Oh, it was a whole bunch of pleasantries. But then Jim said, "You know, that's just coach speak for most coaches. But you really mean it, right?" And it was just about <laughs> how they're all good guys and have a good report. So, I mean, it, it was that. But you know, national news is taking notice of Marquette. Hey, let's have a segment someday on those guys. And I know you do, but um, I don't know. They're, the I, I they're done.
0: You know what will happen? <laughs> if I start talking about Marquette on the show, I'm going to be bullied by our cohorts in Madison. <laughs> I'm going to get bullied by Zach. I, I mentioned one time like three years ago that Marquette was a fun team and I liked watching Marcus Howard play. And, and Zach, Zach can't disown me because he's not my father. We're not related, but like he did a, a professional version of disowning. He's like, oh, Grant's a Marquette what? fan now
6: if you were doing like a trivia contest in any state besides Wisconsin and they had a bonus question, what college did Dwayne Wade go to? No one would get that. I mean, it'd be like Russell Wilson. Who did he, you know, where did he go? Uh, so I think he, there was a, uh, story the other day on CBS about this is the highest Marquette had been since way back in the day. And I'm like, well, there was no mention in the entire story of D Wade. Those were good years. And it was, you know, Jimmy Butler, they're a good program. So, Hey, I know you guys are burning it out. I'm literally sitting here in my car looking at a house that has one, two, three Badger flags up. And it's like, roll them up, guys. Go get some Marquette gear.
0: Yeah. Dude, I, can I be honest with you, Dean? Can I be 100% honest with you? I like the Badgers a lot. College basketball is not my bag. If you tell me that I got to start paying attention to two teams, I uh, <laughs> I, I might just say no. I'm just Let you me just –
6: if, if you Google, like, okay, in the country, mm-hmm. if you said, you know, who are the Angels fans in California, who are the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres fans, it's like the Padres fans in California are just the little sliver of the tiny part of the south of California that just is diehard Padres fans, and the rest of it is L.A. So I picture Marquette must have some fans somewhere, maybe Marquette grads. Chicago. Maybe just the – Well, (laughs) you know, they haven't had much to cheer for besides that 96 year old nun praying for their team for a while. But, you know, ultimately, um, I I think Marquette is the forgotten uh, younger child here that continues to produce better than Wisconsin, especially in basketball.
0: All right. uh, Hold hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to push back. It's becoming a theme today. They are having a very good season. Wisconsin, it appears, is still going to make the tournament there is a chance there's a very, what if, what if Marquette gets bounced on the first weekend? Are are we talking about this year? Like it was uh, And Wisconsin makes it in. What if both teams get bounced in the first round, right? First weekend, they're both out. We want it. We're crowning Marquette. Okay. They're beating up on DePaul twice a week. They're beating up some big East cupcakes. What does this really mean? Big picture. They still haven't won a tournament game in forever.
6: Let me use my win button. So, okay. How many hall of famers in the NBA have come out of Wisconsin? How many have come out of Marquette? I mean, Jimmy Butler will make it. We, Dwayne Wade will make it. Well, everyone, uh, makes, Sam everyone Decker, makes it. Everyone John, everyone. John Luehr, Alondo Tucker. I mean, you know, hey, I, I don't know if any of those guys that I just named from the Badgers are going to make it. So I, I'm not even being critical. I'm just maybe you as an astute expert on the media uh, could tell me why nobody's talking about Marquette <laughs>
0: than anything. Um, but um, You know what I think it is? I just, I don't know. I don't want to watch more than one college basketball team. It's a lot of work. I will watch NBA games. I like watching NBA games. I watched Clippers, um, Warriors last night. It was a blast. I don't want to turn on FS1 and watch DePaul versus Marquette. It's like, I don't know. The arenas look weird, and it's just, uh, I not am not a Big East guy. I'd have to do a whole thing. I'd have to start dressing differently. I'd probably have to shave my mustache. I I don't know. But it's How about this?
6: We'll, we'll do a bet, and whoever goes further in the tournament, between Wisconsin and Marquette, I'll get Marquette. And, uh... I'll owe you a beer if Wisconsin makes it further. Okay.
0: All right, we can bet on that. I'd say that like you need to give me some odds because Marquette's a better team, but I I, I don't care enough. I'm, I'm having a beer <laughs> well, then with then someone. Stop talking in your about
6: way. Wisconsin. Then <laughs> stop right. talking about Wisconsin. Have a good
0: weekend, <laughs> Dean. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for the call. He couldn't wait to get off the phone. He's more of a brief caller. He'll drop in, say a couple things. I kept him on the phone longer than he wanted to be. Oh my God! I just got a DM from uh, Jaddy May. He says Hall of Famers is the argument. Yeah. We can value, we can measure college basketball programs a million different ways. If you want to talk about which program's better by how many NBA Hall of Famers they've produced. Oh, okay, sorry, Marquette's, Marquette's got us. Marquette's got Wisconsin. I don't know if that's the best way to measure. It is a way, it's totally a way to measure success of a college basketball program. That's Calipari's le, uh, legacy, right? Right. You ever see video interviews with uh, Calipari and he'll have the background set up and it's like Anthony Davis's jersey, Carl Anthony Town. like his pride and joy is putting players into the NBA. Wisconsin's pride and joy is putting together a very good college basketball team to contend for the Big Ten, have guys there multiple years, bring them along in their system. And and as Cone Roller said, and Cone's a booster so he can speak to this, right? Get these guys an education, a high level Big Ten education. Daniel in Madison, 608-796-2558. What's up, Daniel?
4: Oh, you know I got to respond to whatever that was on
0: the last call. Yeah. What I should have told Dean and and what I, I felt like I couldn't say is we have a lot of listeners in Madison. We don't have an affiliate in Milwaukee, and I'm not. I love the Badgers. I, it's not like I talk about the Badgers just to placate to our Madison audience, but our Madison audience is huge. We don't have a million Marquette fans who are listening. We might have a few, but we have way more Badger fans.
4: Well, this network has Bill Michaels out in Milwaukee, and he doesn't even really talk about Marquette. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. Marquette, Marquette is like like Dean said. They are the little brother and always will be until they get a football team. It's just the truth. Uh, you, you—it's easy to throw all your money at one sport, and then say, "Oh well, you know, we're we're better than you because we produce NBA talent every five or six or seven years." You know, I—I I don't know. They're a fun team to watch; they always kind of have been. But what have they done in the tournament since like two thousand three? Well. I- I nothing,
0: nothing. I and I guess here's my pushback. I'm not anti-Marquette. I'm very much anti-Marquette when they play the Badgers because it's this rivalry that everyone cares about. The rest of the year, I'm, I'm pretty indifferent. What, what bothers me is the book on Marquette forever under Woj and, and their previous coach was never win in the tournament, never win in the tournament, never win in the tournament. That was always the issue. They switched coaches now, and now they've had a really good season, and it's like we we moved the bar. The bar forever, Coach Woj, was in the tournament they haven't won in the tournament yet they're having a great a year but like wisconsin has decades of cachet built up wisconsin's having a relative nightmare year and it looks like they're still going to make the tournament well i I
4: mean you just said it right there it's it's what have you done for me lately for a lot of people and they look at this year and say oh well they're ranked in the top marquette's ranked in the top 10 top five obviously this is this has been brewing right um shaka smarts way better than greg Gard. all this right yeah um but you look back one year and the badgers were in the top 10 top five consistently yeah. um and then lost seniors and you know like just, and, and put happen. a player so,
0: into the nba which is the metric that's and i know johnny davis isn't exactly killing it in the nba but like they've put players into the nba too it was last year they had a lottery pick
4: yeah he was a lottery pick so i i don't know it's a uh, it it it's easy to say, oh well, how many Hall of Famers do you have? And then he mentioned Jimmy Butler as, an all, as a Hall of Famer, which I think is well, kind of
0: garbage. But, he's gonna uh, be, but that's an indictment on the Hall of Fame, and not that's well, yeah. he's not he's not gonna win a
4: championship unless he hops onto a super team. Another
0: pandemic, so, maybe I, you think we get another pandemic, he oh, might have a good shot.
4: Yeah, he might. Well, yeah, fingers crossed for another, another pandemic, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it, <laughs> that that's that's such a ridiculous um, just comparison to make. Like he yeah. said it. He said it best. There, they are the little brother. They always will be the little brother, and that's just how it is. Well, it's, I'm not hating on Marquette. Yeah. And I don't. I don't dislike Marquette. I I will root for them in the tournament because they're a Wisconsin team. Yeah, I really will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but don't don't start conflating uh, being better than your bigger brother because you have one good year. That's that's
0: all I gotta say. The year that's not over yet, and we haven't gotten to the part of the year that I've been told for all of Woj's tenure. The only way that they're successful is they win in the tournament. They still haven't done that. So I, I'm i not trying and to discredit what Marquette has done, although I keep bringing up their cupcake Big East schedule. So maybe I have a little Also,
4: one, one last little tidbit here. Yeah. People like to forget that we, we won the national championship in 2020.
0: Thank you. So, so who brought that up? Was that Zach last week brought that up? We need to mention that more often, Daniel. Thank you for that. Well,
4: we're 2020 national champions, so... Yeah, uh, I don't know. Nothing well, it's, it's very
0: right? yin and yang because the pandemic giveth to Jimmy Butler, a Marquette alum, and the pandemic taketh away our national title that we would have won if not for the plant planned. Uh, Jimmy couldn't even. Like it.
4: Jimmy Butler couldn't even do it against LeBron AD and the Bubble Lakers. So I don't know. I don't
0: Terrible. know. Terrible. Thank you, Daniel. I'm glad <laughs> that people are fired up about this. I'm glad that we have some something else to talk about other than Wisconsin losing to Purdue last night. Yeah, that was rough. It was. Have a good weekend, Daniel. Appreciate you. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thanks for the call. Have a good one. (laughs) 608-796-2558. One of our Eau Claire listeners just texted in and said, thought it was a gag because as soon as you said you'd be bullied for talking about Marquette, you were cut off and went to commercial. But I guess you got bumped in Eau Claire for UW-Eau Claire Women's Tournament. Yeah, they're in the playoffs. You know what? I was going to take a break. We're just going to have a lot of breaks late. David Minona has called in, and I feel like he will poignantly speak on this topic. Dave, hello. Happy Friday. Hey, first of all, you can't be a
7: fan of both teams. Case closed. Marquette stinks. They suck. I don't, first of all, last guy, you can't root for Marquette if you're a badger fan. Doesn't happen. Otherwise, you're not a fan. It's like being a Cubs and a White Sox fan. Yeah. You can't be both. You can be one or the other. You can't be a Marquette fan. Marquette stinks. They suck. And they're just a redheaded stepchild. That should be squashed. You only hear from them like one, like once every four years, like for an old girlfriend, you know. Well, in your case, maybe you know an old, old, uh, old something or other. But yeah, once every four go. or five years to hear from. No, but as far as the tournament, yeah, that, that's a pretty good bet because Marquette hasn't won a damn game in a tournament, and that they're playing DePaul and all you know, these these cupcakes. Let Marquette come to the Big Ten. Hell, even Minnesota the other night. Yep. Won a game. It's hard to win the in this league. Win. I don't know that you can say that about the Big East, Dave. No. it's such a As far as I'm telling you, man, my buddy, I'm getting more and more irritated with my buddy Greg Gard more and more. The guy just needs to shut his mouth. What do you mean? At the end of the game. Because he keeps saying, well, we should have did this. We need to do that. Then Greg, then shut up and do it. Sure. If Tyler needs to do, needs to do something, we don't want to hear it chucky chucky screwed up the end of the shot clocks stop talking about well he should have he should have we should have or we should have fouled no you keep making excuses this team mentality this year has an iq of dorothy and toto in the wizard of oz <laughs> they don't get it the other night the big fat guy seven foot guy yeah. he comes down the perimeter Duh, bounce pass to the middle big the big two tall white guys we both couldn't. You we know, both could get out jumped by you know out jump by a three year old.
3: Yeah,
7: there was just no inside game, and that's why. And then all of a sudden they forget what happens the last. Yeah, you know, didn't I tell you what was going to happen? If you guys watch the last five seconds of a shot clock, they're unorganized. Yeah. and nobody takes control. It's just fussy. But I, I love to tell Greg, pull him aside, be quiet. Nobody wants to hear anymore. You should have, could have, would have. It's very, you
0: know who it reminds me of, Dave? It reminds me of Matt LaFleur. When something goes wrong at the end of a Packer game and he's like, well, we wanted to do this, we should have done this, we'll be better. It's like, no, it needed to be correct the first time, right? It it actually reminds me of your guy And It ain't going to change because, finally, I don't want Tyler Wall
7: coming back next year because if this is what we're going to get next year, he's going to take away minutes from an incoming freshman. I'd rather have a freshman start and have okay. Tyler Waugh go to graduate school and go bye bye and take take crawl with you and hit the transfer portal. I never met two guys slower, can't jump, and can't dunk. And they're like seven foot ten, you know, both of them are exaggerating. And uh, it was, God, last day, I'm telling you, I just want to scream every t- the last five games. It gets down to the last 60 seconds. And what, I mean, what happens? It's, uh but. Coach Guard, you get one more year, man.
1: I'm with you. But,
7: yeah, but anyway, but but finally, no, Marquette, <laughs> they suck, they stink, and, you know, if they go up in flames and, you know, maybe the dorms get flooded and they can't fly out and they get stuck on a tarmac, good for them.
0: See, this is why when, when our Eau Claire listeners are lacrosse, they ask, why don't you talk about Marquette? And then I I will direct them to our calls for our Madison listeners. This is why I don't talk about and, and love on Marquette. Ah, uh, hey. La- lac- lacrosse is a... Yeah. All across the good forest, the Bluffs, you know, Angel Hall, which we used to call Virgin
7: Islands, and popcorn, popcorn tavern, and Hollys Other than that, Lacrosse is you know is Quarry Park, where I got I got a lot of trouble over in that park in my days too. Holy crap!
0: It sounds like you got quite a list of things tonight. The river's great. We can talk about the river. You talk about all of our great yeah, trails. Yeah, but, but I mean, but I was in long Hall right across from myron Park. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a thirty second story.
7: Here's how double I, I was. I used to love shooting out ruggles all over La Crosse Street into Murray Park. One day I walked back into my room and there's cops there. I'm thinking they're here to bust me. No, they just stopped by to console and talk in that room, and here I gave myself up. Now, what an idiot
0: I was back then, right? <laughs> they were just hanging out in your room? Yeah, they just hanging out, and I thought they were there to bust me. And I busted myself. Well, that's probably because they knew that you backed the blue. You, ha- they had an ally that was a safe space for them to come, oh. and you support law enforcement, so they knew they could use your space as a, as a gathering oh, space. Oh my that's nice. god! Or the day I shot bottle rockets in
7: Stanford Hall, start the curtains on fire and at midnight. All the girls came out of the dorm. I tell you, back in the good old days, panty raids, man. Could you imagine doing that? This this generation, panty raids. Oh my god! Yeah, <sighs> God. The good old Animal House days, man. That's when college was college and men were men. Not this generation of soft pillows and popcorn and lollipops and limousines.
0: Thank you, Dave. Have a great weekend. Appreciate you. And there he goes. Uh, I actually do need to take a break. Three minutes and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show, we were woefully late for a break. Woefully, woefully, woefully late for break, as the big unit would say. So we're going to have to move at a, a brisker pace in the last half hour of the show. I want to talk about the Bucks in a couple of minutes. We'll listen to some Jimmy Buffett as well. 608 796 2558 Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hello. Hey, Roscoe. Roscoe? Hey, Roscoe. What's up? A uh, first time caller. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Where are you calling from, Roscoe? Uh, Alaska. Oh, and on. Oh, a Hilltopper neighbor of mine. Nice to meet you, Roscoe. What's going on?
1: I uh, just wanted to comment on the baseball rules yeah. <laughs> changes. Hell yeah. Uh, do it. Well, I think the uh, time clock uh, is the best thing that's happened to it
0: in a long time. I like it. I do. And it, the players, look, it took them a week. And, and they're in the flow with it. It seems to make sense. They're, they're moving at the right pace. It, it happened like that. Snap of a finger, Roscoe.
1: Yeah, but I'm not happy with the... Uh, taking the uh, shifting of infielders, and also uh, the minimum of three pitch- three batters for each relief pitcher. So you don't. If you take all the you strategy out of the game.
0: Oh, so you're going to miss the shift and the strategy? Yeah. Yes. Well, maybe now, maybe now that we've got the pitch clock, Roscoe, we can revisit the three-batter rule because if the pitchers are moving much quicker, maybe then we can add in more pitching changes and it all balances out in the end. Think about that.
1: I'm hoping that's right,
0: yeah. I feel like that was very targeted against the Brewers when they got rid of that. When they said each pitcher has to face at least three batters, it seemed like that was very targeted at the Brewers. It seemed like the the decision-makers in New York, Coastal elites, some might say, were targeting a small-market Midwest team with that. I didn't like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. But the, uh, the pitch clock uh, will really make a difference. Uh, I'm a Cardinal fan. And, oh. And they, well, they have a relief pitcher named Gallegos. Mm-hmm. And they, they caught him last year. And he averaged twenty five to twenty eight seconds between between pitches.
0: We don't need that, Roscoe. I'm not. I'm not spending years of my life over my lifetime waiting for some pitcher to rub pitch
1: right. on himself, Yeah,
0: yeah. Terrible. <laughs> well, I wish your Cardinals <laughs> nothing but the worst in the season to come. Respectfully, of course. I, you know,
1: they're, they're, they're going to really be tough this year.
0: I think so. They always but, are. But,
1: Instead,
0: stay healthy. Yeah. yeah. Stay healthy, but worst of luck again, Roscoe. We'll call back sometime. This is, this is good. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. Thank you for your thoughts on the rules. The fish Clock, for everyone who is overreacting, and I will speak directly at you. And I'm not a guy to say I told you so, except for when I'm right. Then I do. Um, I'm not a guy to gatekeep things unless people start saying stupid stuff about the NBA. Then I was. So I will say I told you so, and I will gatekeep. I just want to say, after the first weekend of Spring training. Everyone was on Twitter. And everyone was texting and calling shows. This game is in trouble. I don't know how to fix it, but this game is in a bad place. This game is... I, I don't know what to do. I this is, this is bad. Sports headed in the wrong direction. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. And hitters are like, oh, okay, so we got to go a little faster. Wow, look at that. Look how easy that was. It took two weeks. Too, it took less than two weeks. Took 12, 13 days. Just like that. Sport has been speeded up, moving at a brisker pace, more intention with everything. There's less farting around in the batter's back. That's that's what we really wanted to eliminate. We wanted to eliminate the farting around. We don't need to take away from the action. We don't need to take away from the game. Let's take the farting around out of the game. It's a better product for everyone. Cone Roller simply texts in and says, Yes, Dave, with two exclamation points. I don't know what part of Dave's call you were addressing. Vagabond John says a voice message. I can't open the... <laughs> uh, this one's about the Badgers. Mike from Chippewa Falls says, for all the old guys out here, I apologize. Grant. What are you talking about? Roscoe's call was great. Are you, you talking about Roscoe's call? That was outstanding. It was the first time he ever called. I, they did Great job. Uh, this text says, Reavers is a perfect example. Not a muscle in his skinny legs. Yeah, him and Wall both. I got a tweet from Jordan who says, Tyler Wall lost his confidence. It's nothing to do with his, excuse me, nothing to do with his size. He looks like he's going to miss the shot before he even takes it. It's both. It's both his confidence and his size. Because even when he's playing his most confident, good version of basketball, the best version that he has, he's still really, really woefully undersized compared to Kofi Coburn, who whooped up on the Badgers for a couple of years because they didn't have a bigger, better option. Trace Jackson Davis, and now Zach Eady. He's just too small. He's not a center, and he doesn't have a good enough skill set to play power forward or a wing. Ideally, 6'8", you want to be a wing. Chris Middleton's 6'8". Chris Middleton ain't playing center. So, Jordan, I agree with you. He did lose his confidence, but he is also too small. Both A and B can be true at the same time. 6'08", 796-2558. Five minutes. We're back on the Wisco Sports Show.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills, On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. Fin's up. Can't wait to listen to some Buffett here in about five or six minutes. Shout out to Roscoe, his first ever call to the Wisco Sports Show. The results and the reviews, I should say, the reaction is mixed. Uh, People pointing out that Roscoe called in when we were talking about basketball to talk about baseball. I think that's the beauty in the call. Roscoe said, hey, this is my first time ever calling. I want to talk about baseball, so we're going to talk about baseball. Roscoe just dictated an entire segment of the show. So I have nothing but appreciation for Roscoe's call and I hope he calls back again and I I do respectfully Roscoe wish your team nothing but the worst in the season to come screw your Cardinals and you should feel the same way about my team see David Minona would be proud right there's some animosity here there's some competitiveness Roscoe I don't like your Cardinals you don't like my Brewers and that's okay that's the way it should be our generation has lost that we've gone soft Wisconsin fans cheering for Marquette I actually don't really care if you want to cheer for Marquette in the tournament. I don't see a problem with it. I was not born and raised in the city of Madison. So people get bent out of shape about that in Madison. And that is their God-given right. They can fan how they want to fan. If you want to cheer for Marquette in the tournament, cheer for Marquette in the tournament. I'm not going to publicly bless it uh, because I will anger Dave, which doesn't make my life easier. It will also anger Zach, Mr. Heilprin, which definitely does not make my life easier because then when Zach comes on the show... Uh, we spend all of our time conversing and him basically just busting my ball. With
5: this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network yeah. Update, I'm Zach Heilprin.
0: Yeah, I want to keep him focused on Ben and correcting Ben and playing devil's advocate with Ben. Uh, I like to avoid that. Milwaukee Bucks have won 16 in a row. This weekend is a phenomenal. I was just looking at, what was it, NBA on ESPN. That's where I saw the tweet. This is the weekend schedule for basketball. And, of course, there's some good college basketball as well. Nets, Celtics tonight, Grizzlies, Nuggets at 10. That's tonight. Oh, Oh, boy. Tomorrow, 76ers at Bucks at 8.30 tomorrow night. This is Eastern times, by the way, so 7.30. And then Sunday, a full day of outstanding basketball. Two early games on ESPN. Suns at Mavericks. Uh, The Jason Kidd-Kevin Durant matchup that everyone's excited about. Warriors-Lakers at 3.30. Maybe Anthony Davis will sit out that game despite being pain-free. Knicks at Celtics at 7.30. By the way, everyone is big on the Knicks. I thought, I, I, I first let me preface this. I very rarely bitch about this, so don't hold this against me. I, I normally don't make complaints like this. I want this on the record. I normally don't talk about this, but I'm going to talk about this. I thought that given the Bucks have won 16 in a row this week and look to be head and shoulders the best team in basketball, that we would maybe get some extra Bucks content in the basketball podcast sphere. Sports Center is whatever. Get up and first take. I don't care what they do. I'm talking about the Bill Simmons podcast, the Low Post, the Hoop Collective, right? Let's get Eric Name on there. Let's get our guy from the Athletic. Let's, Zach Lowe talking with Eric Name. Let's get Jim Ozarski, the Journal Sentinel. Well, why not? Let's get him on there. Let's get some Bucks guests. Marcus Johnson on the Bill Simmons podcast, something like that. But instead, it's been Nick's talk. Because the Knicks, the Knicks are playing really well, but I somehow missed the memo where Jalen Brunson was now somehow a bigger MVP candidate than Giannis is, and I missed the memo where the Knicks, who are what are they, the four seed, what are they, the five seed, uh, and the Bucks are the the one seed. I might have missed that memo as well. I wanted more Bucks content this week, and don't get me wrong, it's not, I don't have anything against the Knicks, but whatever. Knicks at Celtics on Sunday night, Grizzlies at Clippers at 10. If such a thing interests you, maybe John Morant will pull out a, a gun to celebrate a play. That seems to be his thing. I would not want to be a team that has to deal with the Bucks right now, right? I would not want to be a young, plucky, up-and-coming team that is matched up against the Bucs. I wouldn't want to be a Donovan Mitchell or a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brunson, some 26, 27-year-old up and coming, loving life basketball player, trying to make their mark, carve out their niche in the league, accomplish some things in the playoffs, the Cavs, the Knicks, the Nets. I- I'm even feeling so confident about the Bucs these days that I'll even throw the Celtics in that group. If I was the Celtics, I wouldn't want to see the Bucks. I pity the team that ends up looking down the barrel of a playoff series and sees the Milwaukee Bucks on the other side. Ready to say on March. It's March third. This is the time of year in which a team like the Bucks can Thrive. And you're seeing it with 16 straight wins, but I'm almost talking from a perspective of from here on out. I'm looking forward. Forget the 16-game winning streak behind us. Look forward. Think forward. It's our state motto, after all, right? This is the time of year in which a team like the Bucs can thrive. It's a mature, accomplished team with older players, older players with lives and families. Right? And in December or January, a team like this Bucks team can get a little bored. Ugh, season is long. We got to travel here. We got to do this. It's only December. Our goal is to play into June, and it's only January 15th. Team gets bored, get a little sleepy, get a little complacent. But now it's winning time. Now we're a coach. We can see the finish line on the schedule. Team's getting healthier, starting to figure out roles. Jay Crowder's in town now. Everything's coming together. Team's rounding into form. Best defense in basketball with a bullet. Go look at some numbers right now. It's not close. No one's defending like the Bucs are. Spacing is a little bit better with Chris back. Drew has been unbelievable. Drew Holiday, I I wasn't arguing about this with Justin Garcia the other day, but I messaged Justin. I said, hey, look, I'm trying to make the case that Drew is the best version of himself. He's operating with higher efficiency in the clutch. This is what my eyes tell me. And he's like, well, he's been this guy all along. His numbers in in the past would back this up, right? This and that about Drew Holiday. But my eyes are telling me that I haven't seen this version of Drew Holiday before. I I just, I love the way that he's playing. More so than I loved him a year ago or the year before that. And I loved him then too. Right? Drew is this silent assassin. He's going to wear you out every time you bring the ball up the court. And Giannis is wired like an absolute serial killer. And Jay Crowder's a tank, and he's going to throw his body around, and he's hungry. He doesn't have a ring. Bobby Portis. Remember what Bobby Portis said about the Celtics series when the Bucks broke camp this last fall? He's like, I just want to thank the Boston Celtics because they made it very clear what I need to work on and what I need to improve on. And I heard that, and I was like, oh, boy. Love this guy. This Bucks team feels like they were robbed of a legit chance at a title last year. And in some ways, they were with the Chris Middleton injury. Well, they were. They were robbed of a chance, uh, uh, the the most legitimate chance to contend for a title. But it happens. It happened to the Nets a couple of years ago. The Bucs benefited. It happened to the Warriors. The Raptors benefited. It happens. Right? Teams, because of injuries, because of luck, sometimes miss out on a great chance, and it's not their fault. That happened to the Bucs last year. And they're really upset about it. So let's see. The Bucs are playing their best basketball of the year. They're as healthy as they've been and trending in the right direction. They are wired perfectly. The leaders on the team are wired perfectly, and they have extra motivation because of how the season ended last year. Mark my words right now. Listeners of the Wisco Sports Show participates in the Wisco Sports Show. The Bucks are going to turn their first-round opponent into a crater of black glass. There's just going to be nothing left. It's just be like, oh, what happened here? Oh, the Bucs blew body parts off of the other team for four or five straight games. This team is playing some brand of basketball and i love how the season is trending love it let's take one final break we'll come back listen to some jimmy buffett and wrap up the wisco sports show for the week back in three minutes
2: this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network
0: Sports show fins up. It's Friday, and an especially large fins up to our new friend Roscoe in Onalaska, who made his calling debut about 20 minutes ago. Wanted to talk baseball. Judy tweets in in response to Roscoe's call at Wisco Grant says, With all bullpens matching the exact specs of the actual mound, can we please kill the 10 warm up pitches after a pitching change? Nothing destroys a great game more than this. Interesting. Well, I mean, you still need the media timeout, right? You still need the commercial break. You still need the radio break. So I think that's as much of a reason to take 10 warm-up pitches as anything. What is it, a minute and a half? Minute 40 seconds, that's how long the radio breaks are. I think their network breaks for the Brewers Radio Network, a pitching change is a minute 40. It's not a lot. I don't know. the, The surroundings change, but I love the way you're thinking, Judy. I think this is... Baseball's mindset, I think this is the mindset of Major League Baseball right now. It's like, let's think about all the things that are done in baseball, all the things that have always been done, and ask, do we need this? Well, I know hitters walk around the dugout, and then they walk around the on-deck circle, and they, they change their batting glove. That's what hitters do. Do they need to do that? Probably not. No, let's speed things up. And the pitch clock seems hyper-specific. It's like, well, you need to be in the box by then. You need to be here. But I think we're going to get to the point where we don't even pay attention to the pitch clock because these hitters will just have been conditioned to play a a much faster brand of baseball. The other day, the the pitch clock, there was a a game in Major League Baseball. I don't remember which one it was. They didn't have the pitch clock set up yet, so they just did it without the clock. You wouldn't have known the difference because these players now have been conditioned after just a small handful of games in spring training to know the pace at which they need to operate. These players have already been conditioned. That's why last week when everyone was freaking out because some Red Sox Braves game ended on a pitch clock violation. Who cares? All it took, all it took was a week and a half. Everyone was like, baseball's in trouble. Baseball's fine. If baseball was in trouble, it would have died a long time ago. I love my Brewers. They don't love me back. I love my Brewers. I love baseball. I can't wait. We're going to become a big Sunday Night Baseball show this year. Can't wait. We're going to have to gonna to have to bring that back. That was big for like two months in 2021. We were just dialed into Sunday Night Baseball every night. Have a great weekend. Listen to some Jimmy Buffett. Drink a beer. It's good for the soul. I appreciate you. I'll be back on Monday at 4. Talk to you then.
4: What can we say? Thank you all very much. You sure make a, a bar me.